everybody, welcome back to the Podcast Daily. Happy Thursday, and it's here. It's the big one. Happy Offensive Line Day. It is a national holiday for Bill Landis, uh, and I'm Austin Ward to uh, just mainly stay out of the way. This is Bill's show's <laughs> show today. He's getting ready for spring ball. He has a lot on his mind, and we've hyped it up now for a full month, so I know that Bill is feeling no pressure whatsoever to deliver with the big guys up front. Yeah, feeling feeling a lot of pressure, um, and I, I'm a little conflicted as well because I, while I agree that offensive lineman day should be a national holiday, that means we should be off. Like we're we're working oh. on, on what is on what is a national holiday. Oh, yeah, I think everyone should be out there to be able to go get some wings and crush some beers <laughs> with the with the big guys. See how go many they can put away. <laughs> yeah, either that too. Well, sled in the morning, beers in the evening. There you go. Uh, slobs all day long for the bucket. So <laughs> it's um, a pretty interesting group, as it always is. It's going to be uh, critical, especially as Ohio State breaks in a new quarterback. But um, I don't, do you want to start on the outside and work to the interior? Or do you want to start with the more surprising departure uh, for Ohio State that they have to deal with this offseason? Probably start with the departure of, of, of Luke Whipler because it it's sort of – if you want to take it to the extreme, you can say like it, th- it kind of throws a lot of things up in the air because what does that mean? Like uh, Ryan Day says they're not going to move Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson. And I think that's probably the right course of action to start, but it doesn't mean that that's where they're going to end up. And if they end up in a different place, it will be because of the decision of Luke Whipler, first and foremost, probably to to, to leave early for the NFL. And um, I understand why, why Luke did that. Um, Talking with Dane Brugler on the the podcast daily on Wednesday, we talked a little bit about that. And while it might have been surprising to some people, I think there's a there's a strike while the iron's hot kind of deal going on there with the way the center class is is shaping up. So so I think it makes sense for for Luke to do that, but um, it does leave Ohio State in a little bit of a precarious situation. They they brought in Victor Cutler, but I'm not so sure he's like an automatic answer at center. I think they'd very much like him to be, um, and I think he can be, but it's not. You know, it's not a slam dunk transfer in the way that like Jonah Jackson was. So um, it's a little uncertain, and I think I think it starts there. Um, I was actually curious with like what your point of view is on that. Do you do you obviously we we believe that they're going to start with with Matthew Jones staying at right guard. If you had to guess right now, do you think it ultimately ends up playing out that way by the time games come around, or even you know midway through spring ball? On the day that Luke Whipler declared for the draft, I would have said no. I think that Matthew Jones is the ready-made solution, that he actually predated both Luke Whipler and Harry Miller as one of the highest-rated center prospects (laughs) in the country. That's kind of crazy, actually. (laughs) It's definitely crazy, but it's also definitely true. So uh, that And he hasn't ever had a chance to prove that. We know that he's taken a ton of snaps throughout his career in practice and warm-ups before games and could have been an emergency role at, at some point more often in the during his tenure, but it hasn't played out that way. So I would have thought, yeah, maybe that makes the most sense for not only Ohio State, but also Matthew Jones to show uh, NFL talent evaluators that he could play any of those three spots, left guard, center, or right guard moving forward, that he's got the experience to do that, and that makes him more valuable at the next level. Uh, but it doesn't seem like Ohio State wants to upset uh, – the transition there with just having some both guards around and some stability that could help whoever the center is. Uh, As you alluded to, like fit color could make that a lot easier and a healthy Jacob James could have as well. Mm -hmm. Like that's 
the other wrench here that we're talking about for maybe we won't know by the by April 15th or you know mid-April going into the summer what that actually looks like because they, there may still be an opportunity in August for you know James to come back off of the shoulder and and claim that spot I don't know I mean he's he's certainly put in his time and um, he could elevate and give an answer there but I do think that they fully intend to keep and I guess we're calling him Donnie Jackson now I, I don't know yeah. I didn't I didn't <laughs> ever get a memo to keep to keep Jackson and Jones in the spots that they're at. And I, I understand the impulse to do so. So I guess I'd still say probably. Um, but as you said, a lot of that is going to depend on how quickly they can get some sort of gauge of whether Cutler can actually do that or not. I think, I think they'd be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't at least experiment with it some, somehow. Um, again, like I've said on, on other uh, position previews. This is the time of year that you do that. But I also, I, I understand, and it was actually, it was mentioned to Justin Fry. I can't remember who said it. Cause I, I certainly didn't think of it, but it makes sense. Uh, if you don't move Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones, then you ensure that there are not two new guys playing next to each other at any point on your offensive line. And Justin Fry was like, well, that wasn't really our reasoning, but that makes sense. So let's <laughs> go with that. Uh, but, but I think, I think it, I think it does make, make sense when you, when you kind of couch it that way. Um, so I think it's still probably the most likely outcome that, those guys stay at the guard positions. And I will say too, sort of no matter how that shakes out, um, I think Matthew Jones and, and Donnie slash Donovan Jackson um, are going to be really good next year. I know Matthew Jones had his struggles relative to his injury, but when he was healthy last year and the year before and the year before that, he was really good when they put him out there. Um, and I have no reason to believe that won't be the case provided that he's healthy again in 2023 and Donovan Jackson you know, had some up and down moments as a guy starting as a, as a true sophomore. I think that's to be expected, but he was a five-star prospect for a reason and a guy that people thought was the best offensive lineman, regardless of position in his class for a reason. Um, and I still think that that ceiling is very much out there for him. So those are two really good starting blocks, even if there is some uncertainty about where they're going to end up. But I don't know. I don't know how much, how much having only two out of five kind of settled uh, makes people feel going into spring. I, I, I don't feel... I feel okay about it now, and maybe that's because there's not like the urgency of a game around the corner. If we were in summer camp and the situation was what it is right now, I would probably feel a lot more nervous about what Ohio State is about to, to encounter with its offensive line. But um, given what we've seen from like Josh Fryer and um, like Enoch Vimahi, like I think there's a chance for them to gel into something formidable this spring. But it's going to be a lot of work. Like Justin Fry, <laughs> he's, he has got his hands full in his second year as Ohio State's offensive line coach. Yeah, I think the other reason that, again, if I'm just going back six or seven weeks previous, well, it's hard to get yourself out of that mindset. Well, okay, if they played a game tomorrow, what would be the best way for Ohio State to line up? How do you replace Luke Whipler? And I, in my mind, I I was thinking, well, then you're, you have Donovan Jackson at left guard. You have experienced, uh, and, experience and talent for Matthew Jones. You know that you, he can play center. And then who would be the next closest in? That would be Enoch Fumahi, who has played in enough games that you'd have some experience out there at right guard. And then suddenly you're talking about Josh Fryer, who I would have thought would be at right tackle. Doesn't matter. Like, well, you're pretty close then. Like, mm-hmm. you have pretty high confidence in 80% of that. It, it, it may not transpire that way in the end because there's A, a new dynamic at place with Cutler. B, that was ruling out that Jacob James could play a game at that point, which you don't have to in January and February. So he wasn't, you know, necessarily entering my mind. But by the time you get to August, 
those two things will both be different on the interior as well as a handful of other guys who will have had an additional additional year to mature physically. I don't think there's going to be anybody surprising uh, to move into contention for a spot at any of the interior positions. Um, we'll see. You, you don't rule anybody out at this time of year. As you said, you can experiment throughout March and April. But I think and I'm excluding Cutler from that because he's he is an experienced player, just not at Ohio State specifically. Like I don't think there will be any of the younger first or second year guys sort of moving into the picture for Ohio State on the interior. And and frankly, that's as I've said many times, that's not something that you would want on the offensive line. It's it's not, and I I am inclined to ing- agree with you, but I I can't help but wonder like why people seem to go out of their way a little bit to talk about Carson Hinsman. Um, Usually that's in, that's intentional, and mm-hmm. I think we've we've talked we we talked about him before, right? Like yep. the the fact that he had to add a little bit of weight, but and he traveled, but he never played. Like I think merely traveling means something too. So I've got like half an eye on him to to do something of note this spring, and maybe whether it's pushing Vic Cutler or um, you know making making Matt Jones or Donovan Jackson a little sharper because I know there's someone behind them who's who's kind of you know gearing up and on a good development path. Not that he would unseat either of those guys, but um, I think the idea always for Carson was to eventually be the starting center here. If it happened in 2023, I think that is much earlier than anyone anticipated, which is why they went out and got a got a transfer in Vic Cutler. Um, but it's not impossible. It's not it's not the worst thing in the world. It's it's certainly better than having to throw a true freshman in there. Um, I, I would still think that a second year guy is not quite ready for that responsibility just yet, especially on a line that has some other changing pieces as well. But he's he if you're if you're going to keep one person in mind for a surprise, I think he'd be the one. Well, you know, <laughs> I can't just sit here and say that that couldn't or shouldn't happen when Luke Lipler was pressed into that exact same situation two yeah. years ago, which is also the domino that helped cause this because he had two <laughs> years of tape and starting experience because he handled it so well. So certainly it can be done. It can be. Um, and Luke handled that, that fairly well. I thought from the jump, um, he encountered his struggles, but that's to be expected. So I, th- I think he did that. Okay. And even, um, Michael Jordan, right. Started as a true freshman at guard, not at center. He handled that okay. So, like, there's there's been guys who have done that here in the past. You don't you don't ever want to find yourself in that position. But if it's if it's the result of like healthy competition between guys like Vic Cutler and Jacob James and Carson Hinsman, and Carson Hinsman is just the guy who wins the job, that's much different than like we don't have anybody. Let's start the true freshman. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think that's the, quite the situation that Ohio State finds itself in there. All right, so that that's I guess a a relatively tidy situation even if we don't know exactly how it will transpire what do you make of the tackle spots well i think one of them sewn up whichever side josh fryer ends up on and i just assumed it would be the right but then justin fry made a point to say well he lined up on the left side when he was in the jumbo tight end package too he's used to both of those stances he's a good athlete he can probably make that transition rather easily if they did put him at left tackle so um that's a little more open-ended, I suppose, than I, than I would have guessed uh, three or four weeks ago. But the fact remains that he he's going to be a starter there. It's just a matter of, of where he ends up being most comfortable. And then the other spot, I really I, I don't know. It's it, that is um, to have a brand new starting quarterback and then have like that much uncertainty at one of your tackle positions is a little disconcerting for me. Um, but they talked up Zen Mohowski quite a bit last year. Um, we watched some practices and, and what they were saying didn't quite line up with what we were seeing sometimes at those practices, but that's mm-hmm. okay. We don't see every practice. Um, 
So I think there's belief in him that that he can step into that role. Um, the guy that I am really curious about is Tegra Shabola and whether or not they they view him as a viable tackle option. I think he has the size for it. Um, I don't know if he has the the feet for it, but maybe you can put him at right tackle and feel a little bit better about that. He definitely has the length. He's he's a pretty strong player. I thought he had some nice moments when he played as like a number two guard um, last year. So if you have again, it's like similar to the to the interior question. Like there's uncertainty, but it's not like they're at a loss for options. I think they have a couple of intriguing guys there to, to line up on the opposite side of Josh Fryer, but you'd certainly like more uh, certainty uh, to be redundant uh, there if uh, <laughs> if you could have it. I think what's so fascinating to me about the offense in, in general, the quarterback battle and the need or desire to want to have somebody named by the middle of April and the situation as it relates to probably trying – two or three other guys on the opposite tackle spot, or maybe even putting them both out there at the same time, because you may have more confidence in Josh Fryers that this offense is probably going to look pretty disjointed for a lot of the spring, because there's also, mm -hmm. you're all not going to have a Mecca Buka or Julian Fleming out there at wide receiver. We've said before, you don't need a ton of Marvin Harrison. So like, I, I know that that's not the point of this conversation, but like they're going to be having to try and get a feel for other things than just picking the starting quarterback because protecting it is going to be so important. And even with what we said about the defensive line uh, earlier this week, you'd think that they're probably still going to win a lot of those individual reps and they're going to make a lot of plays throughout the spring. That's almost always the case. It's uh, it's it tends to be easier for a defense to get up to speed when, especially if they're going against an offense that's trying out a bunch of new pieces and trying to adapt without three guys going to the NFL from that group. So What's probably more important, to be honest, which sounds crazy, and I can't believe I'm going to say it, the <laughs> naming a starter by the middle of April is like figuring out if they have to go into the transfer portal to find a, a tackle in May. Like evaluating those guys, whether it's Tegra Shibola, uh, you know, on the opposite side of Josh Fryer or not, or anybody else that's going to be uh, in the mix in Mahalski, like can one of those, can two of those guys be the left and right tackle? Do they have enough depth that they feel confident in? Do they feel like by May that they have to go into the transfer portal to find somebody? Like I have enough. I get the only reason I say that is that I I have enough confidence that either Devin or Brown or Kyle McCord can both run the offense and mm -hmm. potentially win the Big Ten, where that may not that cert, that level of certainty may not exist at left or right tackle, and so that's going to probably make it more difficult to evaluate the offense as a whole. But it's necessary because they have to. It's going to be fine no matter who's running the, the signals in September, as long as you know that you can protect and block up front. And if you have to get into some more difficult situations in March and April to find that out, so be it. That's really interesting. So let me let me ask you this: If you were because Ryan Day's talked a lot about wanting, and Brian Hartline did too, talk talking about having as much game like reps during spring practice as you could possibly have. And when they talked about that, they talked about it because they want to get a feel for Brian Hartline as a play caller and they want to get a feel for the quarterbacks. Is it perhaps <laughs> most important? Is it perhaps most important for whoever the other tackle is besides Josh Fryer? Like if we were making a, a hierarchy of who are these game like reps most important for, is that position number one? Or how or can you can you get to that point? I, I think I am at that point because yeah. I think both McCord and Brown are capable. It's the same thing. I I'm saying the same I feel the same way that I did about Burrow and Haskins. I thought Dwayne was going to win that job. 
they could have picked either single either one of them at the end of camp and i think accomplished what they did um and i think the same thing is, is true for these guys but neither one will be in a position to maximize the offense if they don't get the second tackle position nailed and i i think that josh fryer can definitely be penciled into one of those spots but he also hasn't done it on a full-time basis. So there is going to be an element that you have to evaluate both of them, uh, both spots simultaneously, and whether that's left. Even if you think Fryer has the best shot of, a th- of those, those three or four guys, he may still be going left and right. That's going to create a little bit of disjointed friction going on there because uh, you're, you're trying to find the best fit overall. And the O's evaluations are really going to determine how good this Ohio State offense can be. You want them to be able to run the ball and, and pick up third and short on the ground. Your tackles have to be able to move people. You want to be able to complete passes down the field or pick up third and seven. You, your tackles better be able to protect and, and identify blitzes. So like those things, I don't think that they're going to show that much about the quarterbacks, to be 100% honest. Unless the tackles are playing at a high level, Brian Hartline can dial up anything he wants. If you don't block it, it's not going to work. Yeah, no, you're 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 you're, you're preaching to the choir here, brother. Believe me, I I, I understand that. I've, and like, how did I get in this position? I don't know what's going. I'm the quarterback guy. That's all yeah. I know. We've uh, we've successfully brainwashed you into coming around to what's most important on the football field. It's the oh, trenches. Oh man, it's this all wild the trenches. Um, I don't. Um, what you're saying, I think, is is very much true, and. It's what makes their inability to go get uh, a not even like a tackle, like a good starting quality tackle in the transfer portal the first time around um, all the more frustrating. And they took some swings. And maybe if you like assess the group of who was available, maybe you come away thinking like, I don't know if that guy was really out there. And if and if you're uncertain, then then my belief is if you're if you're not sure they maybe err on the side of not taking one because you don't want to bring someone in who ends up not being able to play. So I get that's a delicate balance. But um, nonetheless, I was still a little disappointed that they, they weren't able to find one. Like if Ohio State can put out the sign that says we need a starting tackle and then they can't really go out and get one is is a little concerning for me um, because there's no guarantee it's going to happen in in May. Um, mm-hmm. The majority of the impact transfers have already picked their their new destination. Now someone could jump in. If Ohio State puts that sign out again, who, who knows what, what might happen? Um, I guess the hope at this point is that is they don't have to do that. And uh, that's not to like look past in Mohowski or Tegra Shabola or I don't know. I, I don't think George Fitzpatrick's probably quite ready for, for that just yet, but I suppose that he's someone we should mention in, in that mix. Maybe, maybe Ben Christman. I, I don't know. It seems more like it's, it's Zen or, or Tegra at this point, unless Luke Montgomery is just going to blow people away as a true freshman in spring camp, yeah. um, which, which seems unlikely and not something I really want to put on Luke as far as expectations go. So um, that's really important. Like they, they, as you said, they need to nail it. And and if they don't, then I don't know. Then I think you start asking like the, the Donovan Jackson move the tackle question again. That's probably where you start because there's, there's just no guarantee that that, that transfer answer is going to be there waiting for you. Yeah. And the other, the other part of that, once you let it get to May is that, as you said, there's no guarantee of what's going to be in there and you're, you're letting control of your roster management sort of, you're rolling the dice. You're you're taking a chance that somebody's out there that's going to be a culture fit. That's going to be good enough to actually start at that point. You're not. If you have to go back in there, if you're Ohio State in May, you're not looking for a first or second year player who just w- was unhappy that he didn't get to start somewhere else. Like you are purely looking for a veteran who you expect to be able to come start day one. Like there's no other. There's no other point to mm-hmm. being involved at May. 
so, you know, te- whether that's Tegra Shabola or Zin Mahalski or whoever else, they can they can make that a lot easier. Some of the stuff that what we're talking about and evaluating the offense is if they go out, they'll have had winter workouts, they'll have had a year in the system or more, you know, to learn it. Uh, they may get they may get to the middle of April and say, you know what, we're good. Like this guy nailed it. Josh has got one spot. Don't have to do anything on the interior. That's that's certainly possible. I think the only reason that we're bringing that up is like that's that's the worst case scenario to play out, and it's just an unknown. And then you make it even more of an unknown if you're having to go get somebody later on. Uh, and what signal does that mean for the development of of those two guys if they can't claim one of those spots to make Justin Fry and Ryan Day feel good enough to give them one heading into the summer? That would be disconcerting for really an important part of the best offense in the country. Like you're just not going to function at the same level if you don't have those five. Um, you you could maybe even get away with it at guard, but not at tackle. Like that's not, just yeah, right. I don't. It's it's one of those things where like you're. I, I want to make sure that it's not coming off as as we're saying like this is a lost cause. They're screwed because they didn't get a tackle in the first window. You're absolutely right. It could take with either Zen or Tegra or both. And if it's both, that's awesome. It's just that the situation is like it better take <laughs> because if it <laughs> if it doesn't, uh, there are there could be some some issues because I don't think they they even um, I asked Justin Fry like you're looking at Vic Cutler just as an interior guy, right? And he said, well, I don't know. We'll see. Cause like Vic played tackle at Louisiana Monroe, but he's like six, three. Like I just, yeah. even, even if he's long and has like a, 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 the wingspan of a guy who's more like six, six or six, seven, I just, I have a hard time seeing a guy who's six foot three playing offensive tackle for Ohio state. Um, and frankly, yeah. you know, he wasn't particularly good at tackle at Louisiana Monroe. I think, I think he felt like he was probably playing out of position too, which is why he came here to play on the interior. So um, I don't, I don't think he is an answer if maybe he's a desperation answer to play tackle if they find themselves there. But um, for everyone to feel really good about themselves, I think it, there's a lot on Zen, Mahalski, and Tegra Shabola to kind of take up the the mantle that's available there and, and lock down one of those tackle spots. Yeah, and the other scenario that you can game out is, if, as you said, if, if Donnie Jackson needs to move to one of the tackle spots, which we would assume would be left, but, you know, just because he played at left guard last year, that would mm-hmm. be easier, you know, the the fact that they do have a swingman that I brought up earlier, like Enoch Vamahi, would allow them to consider that potentially. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think Vamahi has. I'm not, I'm not speaking out of school to say that he hasn't really lived up to the expectations that Ohio State had for him. There's time for that, uh, and there's complications that have played into that with, you know, health and COVID and everything else. But like, Ohio State was really excited, and I know that the head coach of that program thought that he was going to be an NFL player for sure when he went out to Hawaii to get him. But he's, whether that's true or not, he's still certainly done enough things up and down. We mentioned earlier uh, and some missed assignments there against Michigan, but you know, if that's the route that they need to go, there's still enough pieces in reserve and depth that they could, they could get creative with it. I, again, I don't think that's what they want to have happen, but you know, Enoch Vamahi could play a couple different spots for them and potentially open up some flexibility. But some of this, again, is, is as what we're saying, is the worst case scenario or a not best case scenario where two or three tackles just emerge and then you're ready to go and you don't have to have any of these other conversations in May. Yeah, and I think Enoch is a guy they're going to try to get some center work for too. Um, probably just so you have 
guys with experience snapping the ball in the case of an emergency. But if they get him there, then you're talking about a guy who can conceivably play all five positions. Um, and that's that's a major luxury. A fifth-year player, or, or is he a six-year player now? can't remember early class of 2019 right um yeah a guy a guy that old <laughs> who fifth, can play all five fifth positions. year yeah fifth yeah year. fifth year guy who can play anywhere on the line is is a valuable piece and you're right like he i i was not super impressed with his michigan game it can just be a bad game i have been impressed with him at other times when he's come in he was good when he came in for a few snaps against notre dame and that's a high leverage game too so um i think he can play um, and there's a reason why they've been willing to put him in those games when they needed someone to come on the field um, in emergency situations. So um, he isn't, he's in the mix. I just like, I don't think they'd want him to play tackle and he's kind of blocked at guard by Matthew Jones and Donovan Jackson, but his versatility, Donovan's versatility, Matthew's versatility does give you options. If the worst case scenario happens and you're not feeling particularly good about that second tackle spot opposite Josh Fryer. What did you uh, make of Justin Fry's first year? I thought they were pretty good. Um, I, I know the the short yardage stuff. Probably, I mean, I know had people like pulling their hair out, and some of that was definitely offensive line driven. Um, some of that was injury specific. I think with Matthew Jones and a lot of those situations, some of that frankly had nothing to do with the offensive line at all in, in some cases. So um, I thought it was a good debut. I, I felt like you they they seemed more like ryan day used this term sort of like on point or, or target it maybe was the way he talked about it mm-hmm. when talking about the run game when it was really good um i thought that was an improvement of of them figuring out like their their tracks better their targets better working more in in unison as an offensive line in the run game i thought that showed up and i also think justin fry got like the absolute best out of dewan jones so um dewan jones coming back making that decision was impressive on in his own right to, to do that and sort of understand how he could help himself. But then he came back, he worked with Justin Fry and Mike Seleni and became a much, much better player to the point where he might be like a first round pick. Um, that would encourage me about Justin Fry's ability to develop people. If I were an Ohio state fan. Yeah. And, and then concern Ohio state about its ability, ability to retain him. To re- Let's yeah. just say <laughs> if his alma mater happens to have a, a coaching vacancy in the near future, which, it definitely should have already had, but that's another conversation entirely. Is there anything <laughs> else that you have to say for National Offensive Lineman Day, or this is your show? Like I'm already uh, on board no, with you. Yeah, just uh, just go eat some pancakes, uh, and like I said, <laughs> hit, go go find the nearest sled and just give that thing a, a, a couple good a couple good jams. <laughs> that's right. Um, it's the difference. Make sure you have your hands inside. Uh, the frame no holding calls allowed today. that's right <laughs> no, put the flags away all right well this this is the one that i hope it lived up to the expectations it feels like it did i became a full convert into the church of offensive line play bill has won me over i'm fully there uh and now we have to figure out what to do with one more full week to go <laughs> of shows until spring ball actually does start um i don't know maybe we'll have to make up some positions or special teams i guess i don't we, I always leave them out. Talk, we can talk special teams. <laughs> I think we probably should talk special teams. All right, let's pencil that one in for early <laughs> next week. We still got some positions to break down. That that could be a longer show than any of the others we've done <laughs> so far. That's that's a great idea. That's why we have Bill in here on the podcast daily for ideas like that. Um, he's Bill. I'm Austin. Thanks for joining us. We will see you again later on the podcast daily.